Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 122. Two. Yeah. And this is an update episode. I feel like we need to have like some special hype music that plays during an update episode, like confetti. We and start like- with hype music, though. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I mean, if you want to do, can we have more? I like, you know, here's what's funny the PHP sound. Like, I remember when we first dropped our episodes, you didn't even tell me what it was. Like, one day I'm like, I wonder how our podcast here is. And I totally forgot we had an intro. And I'm like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like got a little clubbish kind of like let's get hyped for reselling. Except for sound. except for our our level up review is that classical intro. And you know what what I think is interesting. I wonder how many people find us for the first time on a level up review <laughs> and they true. listen to that and they turn us off and they're like, what <laughs> is this? Like if you don't get it, it's a little tongue in cheek with the classical intro of like look how hoity toity we Masterpiece are. Theater. Yes, like we've even talked about like should we have like robes on and like. You know, like we did talk a, about a ties at one time. And, I don't know, a, you know, <laughs> you know, like very classical, the fireplace in the background. You know, no, no, no. I remember having that discussion, and then I think, I think the music. We were like, okay, I think the music's good enough. It's good enough. Yeah, we're so, good enough. But anyway, so this is an update episode. So Orlando, how have things been for you, man? Super interesting. I I'd say they're interesting because remember, I'm doing my three week experiment, uh, three week, three month experiment. Maybe subconsciously, I want it to be three weeks. But three month experiment of no retail arbitrage for Amazon. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting because I as much as I hate the fact that you know retail arbitrage, there's so many you know things that happen. Like for instance, you know price tanking, mm-hmm. returns, cease and desist letters, you know gating after the fact, like all these things. Even now, I haven't sent a sent in a shipment in two weeks. Uh-huh. I'm still making sales. Yeah, you know, like the other day, I sold seven like Google AI, not AI, Google. It was something about Google, Google. Home. Like, it was something for the classroom. No, it was like a oh, okay. you could like make a robot or something like that. I remember I picked them up at Target back in I to say November for twenty two dollars a piece, and obviously the prices tanked like crazy. And I didn't put my repricer on it because I'm like, it's just going to go to the bottom. Well, you know, I wake up the other morning. I'm like, oh, seven sold at one time, probably to a school. And they all sold at $64.99. Nice. Right. So I'm like, that's that's really nice. Yeah. Like, it, when, when does that happen to me on eBay? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. But you got to think, too. That's that's the back end of it, right? So that's the part where things sell. And so there's all of the part that goes into it ahead of time, too. Because mm-hmm. we just had a conversation off air where we were talking about Craigslist ads and you mentioned that that's something you kind of want to do, but like you've got so much inventory right now, it's hard to manage. Like, so if you had an influx of inventory, but if you were to take all of the time that you spend going, doing retail arbitrage, packing the Amazon shipment, sending that out and list the current inventory you have on eBay and then get more inventory for eBay, then you'd be having maybe some of those back end sales on eBay that would like Equally. Does that make sense? No, no, I get it. And that's what I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. here because eBay, you know, there's always this, hey, list, list, list. And it's not a very clear equation. Yeah. Right. Because I've been listing like crazy. And at this point right now, I'm at 1,900 listings. Wow. You know, and I'm trying to get to 2,000 by the next update episode, which still hasn't happened. I keep trying. But part of the reason is because I haven't had a lot of sales. So it's been easy to climb in nineteen hundred. So I'm just listening, and you know, I'm like, okay, when are the you know when are things going to hit? Because with Amazon, I've been able to get away with listing five to ten items a day on eBay. Sometimes not listing anything. Uh-huh. 
because the Amazon sales kick in. Now I'm not doing that. So I'm like, all right, I got to do these 25 a day, yeah. right? To, to make this full-time money. So that's been kind of, that's been uh, kind of interesting. The other thing that's been interesting has been all the items I never listed that I'm finding. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a couple of those where I go through a box and like, wait, I don't think that's ever been listed. <laughs> that's getting that crazy. Yeah. Like how does that happen? So it's bad inventory management, but but sometimes it's it's you're improving. So like it's bad inventory management from several years ago, right? So it's not like mm -hmm. who you are today. No, I agree. And, and we're going to actually talk about that on our upcoming update episode. Not upcoming update. Uh, uh, excuse me. Updating theme episode about how to be a successful part-time seller. Because that's one of the things. Like when you're part-time, sometimes you just like toss this in a corner or throw things into a toe. You don't think about it. But then when you make that jump to full-time, that's when you're like, what? What, like, why didn't I list this? Or why is yeah. this in this random toe? Yeah. Right. And it's because years ago, you didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. Like that was on your mind. So I have found all kinds of, of good things to list. So I had to rearrange not my entire inventory system, but I had a part of the storage unit that was like this huge, I call them death boxes that I just threw in stuff from garage shows. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll like a junk drawer for yeah. like things that haven't been listed yet. <laughs> yeah. So if you follow us on Instagram, you saw I had one uh instagram story where i pulled out all these items that were worth money i had some jordan retro 13s i had um some eve saint laurent purse i had some other like expensive items that were just just sitting there i just hmm. never listed so it's been great because now i'm actually listing everything i have but you know it's it's been work it's been work but you know it's it's been nice understanding okay this is what i i enjoy doing i do enjoy ebay work i know that sounds crazy because a lot of people always talk about it's a lot of work to do ebay mm -hmm. you know you got to source you got to list it you got to then when it sells you got to pack and ship it but i've always made this argument amazon fba unless you go to a prep center is the exact same thing yeah i mean the main difference i think is is volume not just in sales, but like in what you can get. Like you can walk into a Target and get 20 of one item, drive to another Target, get 12 of that item, drive to another Target, get five more of that item and send it in. And that's that's pretty big. Like that's more, mm -hmm. it's easier to scale that than it is going to a thrift store and finding, hey, I can make 60 bucks off of this jersey that I found, but you can't like guarantee walk into the next thrift store and get six more of those jerseys and the next thrift store and get two more of those, mm -hmm. right? So part of it, what makes, I think the, eBay a little bit more challenging is it's maybe more of a gamble, right? Like as far well, as because there's no ranking, so there's no guaranteed sale, right? No guaranteed sale, and you're you're only finding one offs, right? Like you find a one off of something great, whereas on Amazon, maybe you're only making you know twenty five percent of the ROI that you are on that one off. However, you're getting thirty of them with one drive, right? So mm -hmm. again, it, it it makes it nice as far as that goes. So I could see the appeal. Uh, towards that way, but there's something about the treasure hunt that's exciting. Agreed. Um, with with eBay, I mean, I I enjoy it very much. So you know, it'd be and, hard to get the out. ROI. Yep. You know, you pick up five dollar piece, even if you sell it for fifty. Like to find stuff like that for Amazon FBA is very rare, mm -hmm. right? And you don't. There's not a lot of maintenance. I mean, you could. There are repricers for eBay and stuff, but you don't need them, right? Right. You can you do promote listings. You can send offers. There's just so many ways to convert on eBay or on Amazon. There's only one way to convert and it's your price and that's it. So anyways, enjoy. How about you? 
Man, things have been good. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to harp too much on the uh, doing Craigslist ads, right? But it, that's been working well. I've I've had... He is loving it. Every moment of the day when we're hanging out, that's what I, he talks about. Yeah, I mean, part of it is because it's new. It's, it's different. Thing. It's exciting. Um, I've had some really weird negotiations that have happened through that. Um, I mean, I had one the other day that came up like out of the blue. And it was a very strange conversation back and forth with somebody. And... I'm still not 100% sure what's going on Why with this deal. Why was it strange? Can you elaborate? So they they offered me 10 of an item and 10 of another item, right? They're like, we have 10 of these sealed new. Um, what would you give us for each, right? And I'm thinking, okay, like, how about I just did the whole lot, lot of together. I asked them. I wanted them to anchor the price, right? So I'm like, what would you, what would you want for all of them if I were to buy all of it? And they refused to give me a number and they wanted me to give a number. So I gave a number. It was relatively low. And their response was, no, that's too low. I'm sorry. That's it. Then they go silent. And then it's like, all right, well, like what, what sounds good to you? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? And their response is, give us a number on each item. Really? Yeah. And so I'm like, I, so I gave a number on each item and I used the range, right? Between this, this price and this price. And kind of what I was thinking with the range is whether or not I'm buying individual items or in bulk, right? If I'm buying in bulk, I want to buy them cheaper than if I'm buying individual. Individual, if I'm just buying a one-off, I'm willing to pay maybe a little bit more, yeah. as weird as that sounds, but just because the risk is less, right? I'm I'm more likely to spend $100 on one item than $1,200 on, you know, 15 items, okay? So just because it's a bigger upfront investment, how long is it going to take to sell these? And their response was, I finally gave them a number and they came back for an individual price a little higher then I asked for, and so I was like, okay, well, where are you located? Because that's going to matter too. Part of the the issue with Craigslist is I've had a few sales where it's like I make a good bargain or a good deal, and the person is like North County, San Diego, and it's like not going to be convenient to meet mm. up with them, and so it's a little frustrating. And so I'm like, okay, if they're close, maybe I'll I'll pay a little more per item because convenience. If they're further away, I'm gonna have to get a better price. Their response to me was, um, oh, and I, I totally skipped this part. Okay. Each time back and forth, the person would say. Look, you give me a deal on the individual items because um, I said I'm. I don't want to buy individually. I'm not interested in buying individual items. I want to lot it all together. I'm a reseller. I need. If you're hoping to get retail price, I'm not your buyer, right? Like I want to buy in a group. I don't want to buy individual items. Um, and so their response, they went quiet, and I finally, okay, well, how about this per one item, or how much you want per item? And their response again was, I know you're a reseller. We're not expecting retail price, but I want you to give us a fair number, and based off of that, we have future sales we can do in the future we have more what we can get this? we can get more of these um and have future sales in the future if you can convince my team giving us a fair number and i'm thinking like this is really strange that, that just sounds shady to me a little there's bit something that there's a black swan that you're not seeing. yeah exactly and so and if you haven't listened to our last uh, level up review uh check that out but yeah i'm thinking my mind's going a few places like one how do they have so many of these new items and they can get more of them? Because this is like a very unique thing that's not like you can't just go to a store and buy. This was like pre-order, special pre-order price on like a Kickstarter of something. And so I'm like, are, is this like stolen stuff, right? Like are these people who've like, like stole? Because I knew one person, I heard this story. It was my wife was friends with a lady who bought some purses and they were doing like house parties where you can come to this house and buy purses and they're really good prices. But the reason they were so good is they were all stolen and they didn't realize until later and the police came and shut the whole thing down. Oh but like somebody stole a whole bunch of purses off of like, uh, uh, I don't know whether it was a train or a truck or something like they got boxes of them. Wow. And so my thought is, like okay, from the movies. Yeah. Like are these stolen items? Like I, you know, this is kind of weird. 
And then so I responded back and I said, where are you located? And their response to me was, wait, I'm still negotiating with them. And so I'm like, is this the, your team you're negotiating <laughs> with? Or did you accidentally send this to the wrong person? Wow. And so I just went silent. Like, this is a little weird for me. So I just kind of was like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to go silent. And today, it's been two days. I finally texted back and I was like, any more thoughts on this? Just to kind of open it back up to see, you know, is there anything here? Because it, it, it could be a good contact if it's Maybe not. Maybe they think you're like an undercover cop or something. It, it could be. I don't know. It's really strange. But um, but so that was a weird one. I've had some weird things like that. But today was kind of cool because I've got my business cards now, right? And they are that, legit. that's a new thing that I'm doing is, is giving out business cards. And it was cool because I went to the Kobe swap meet today because I met a Met up with a guy who I bought some stuff on from my Craigslist ad. So Colby is San Diego's biggest swap meet. In case you're wondering, it's huge. I'd never been there as a reseller until today, right? So I go there and I was like, well, I'm here like 40 minutes early. So I'm going to walk around and like maybe do some sourcing while I'm waiting for this guy. And sure enough, I was able to buy a bunch of stuff. And one guy, some people mentioned in our comments that a lot of those like junk just everywhere are people who are either junk removal or they buy out whole estate sales or whatever they do. And then they try and part out whatever they can't sell um, quickly, you know, offload it. And so I was able to pick up a whole bag of stuff from this guy. He gave me a pretty good price. And on my way out, I actually had to chase him down because he like took my money and started talking to somebody else. I pulled out my business card. I walked up to him. This is like my first time like actually giving my business card out. We need an applause like soundboard. That's what we need right now. So I'm like, hey, um, real quick, like, thanks for the sales is really great. Here's my card. Like if you ever run into these types of items, hit me up. And his response was, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like I get this stuff all the time. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely hit you up because I overheard him talking to somebody saying he was there like once a month. And so I'm thinking, sweet, if he can send me like every so often, like pictures of just lots of stuff that he has, and then I can, we can negotiate a price. And then I just meet up with him there like once a month and like buy in bulk, like these items, that's good for him. It's good for me. He, he knows he's got a buyer. He can maybe negotiate a better price for me. I mean, he might be selling it less, but if he's selling all of it at once, instead of like hoping that this stuff sells over the next few days at this you know, swap mm-hmm, meet. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. I mean, I, I'm excited. It's been, it's been a nice transition for me to kind of step out of my comfort zone and be like, I am a reseller. Um, but it's been working. I, I haven't, I haven't had it backfire on me except for once. I bought this really cool thing. Um, and, and I didn't even buy this off of my Craigslist ad or I bought this like for me, but I was like, maybe I'll resell this. Um, I have this, I got this really cool board game called, I don't it's like a, a Dutch name. I don't know what it is exactly. Schablonk or something, <laughs> but it's like, it's kind of like a shuffleboard. Yeah. Um, and you slide these pucks into these things and it's like this long board that folds out. And I was able to talk the guy down to a great price on Craigslist. I just found it while I was searching for different stuff and I gave him my number, but I gave him not my personal number. I gave him my business number. So when he called me, he heard my voicemail saying that I was a reseller. And so when I got there, um, he's like, so how much are you going to sell this thing for? And I was like, oh, I'm not Ooh. selling this. Like, this is mine. Like, I I wanted this. And I was like, oh, like, I, I get that you think that, like, because of the, the call, but like, no, really, like, I, I I collect board games and this is like, I have a board game club at school and I'm going to like, this is a really cool <laughs> thing that I have. And so he's like, okay, he says, because when I heard your voicemail, I almost thought, do I even want to sell it to this guy? Ooh. So like, it can backfire. Luckily, it didn't That's a rarity, time. though. Yeah, I, I'm sure it is, but... You know, there, there. I'm sure there are times when somebody, you know, it could backfire, but it's been a very positive thing to be able to say, hey, I'm a reseller. I need this price. Um, and it gives you a little bit more leverage, too. I mean, it gives you the leverage to say, like, look, I can't do it yep. for that price. It's very true. So it, it's been good. No, but the leverage of saying you're a reseller to me far outweighs the negatives because 
if they know you're trying to make profit, they will be willing, and this might be my mm. experience, to sell it to you for a lower price. And on top of that, they'll find other stuff because yep. they know you'll buy it from Yeah, them. I've had people pulling out like stuff. And the only reason I've only given out one uh, business card so far is they literally just came in the mail like two days ago. Okay? If, otherwise, I would have been giving them out like candy already because a lot of garage sales I've been to, when I mention I'm a reseller, yeah, other stuff starts coming out. Like, hey, hold on, I got this thing in the house, right? And they're bringing stuff out to me and I'm like, well, this is new, you know? No, so. I, I'm telling you what, the first time I experienced, I mean, I, there's a lot of stories, but I remember one of my, one of the best stories of when I started doing that. I remember I got the reselling cards and I thought, do I really want to do this? Like I heard a lot of people mention about this on, on YouTube and on Instagram. So it's not an original idea to me, but I'm like, huh, this is going to be kind of weird, but let's do this. I, I'll never forget. I showed up. At a person's house, I found the. I, maybe I've shared this on the podcast. Tell me if I have. Is it a Harley deal? No, it's not Harley. No, no. But though that there's hundreds of Harley deal stories. So this was an HP calculator, it's like a financial calculator, something that I found on OfferUp, and they were selling it for I think like forty, and the resale was like a hundred and forty, two hundred bucks. I was like, huh, you know, I'll source, I'll make money. I show up, and I was just gonna buy that calculator, but then. I remember I had these business cards. So I asked her, I said, hey, just to let you know, I'm a reseller. Here's my business card. If you have any other stuff you're trying to offload, let me know. She goes, oh, do I have stuff? You know, let me open my garage. She goes, just look through anything and I'll let you know if I can sell it or not. And I'm like, what? This is this is crazy. Like, this wasn't even like, she didn't even call me back. It was like an instant, hey, right now. So. I went in there. I found uh, what do you call those bone to ball, like those? Oh yeah, yeah. Workout things. Uh-huh. Is, <laughs> is that like what a half ball? Yeah, is that yeah. what you call it? I don't know. So I bought one of those for two bucks. Hmm. Super deal, right? Because I think they're like fifty dollars, yeah. right? Something like that. And then I ended up picking up. There's this in the corner. There's all this cricket stuff. We've talked mm, about cricket. Yep. And all these cartridges, a lot of them sealed. Nice. And then I look, and there's a sealed cricket printer. Like not even sealed, but in the original cardboard box it was shipped in from nice. the company. And so I asked her, I said, Hey, how about this stuff? She was like, Oh, that you want that? I'm like, Yeah, it it's you know, I resell this stuff all the time. And she's like, Oh, I, I don't even know why I bought that. Just give me a price and and it's yours. And so I'm like, I don't know, 20 bucks. <laughs> And she's like, sure. And she didn't care. And I wasn't taking advantage of her. She just wanted it. I mean, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure if I said five bucks, she would have been good with it. And so I bought that for 20. And then all the other cricket cartridges, she knew a little bit more about. She's like, five bucks for each. Well, that cricket printer sold for $300 on Amazon because nice. it was new and sealed. And all the other cartridges sold for 20, 30, 40 a piece. And it was at that moment that I'm like, I will always share I'm a reseller. And so anytime I go to a local deal like you, I will automatically after right before I'm about to close out, I'm like, hey, I don't know if you caught this, but I'm a reseller. Here's my card. Do you have anything else? And usually it's weird how people will open up their home. Mm-hmm. Like if you look, if you if you're not listening to the podcast, but you've seen the YouTube and you look at me, you probably don't want a person that looks like <sighs> me in your home. Right. But it's it's so weird because I've had people like take me up to the attic and it's like American picker style. Maybe maybe the scary thing is, do you really want to go into their home? That is true. I've had. Hey, those. come on in. Let me show you what the, we have. the worst have been the hoard houses, the hoarding houses. I am right because you walk in and you're like, "Do I need gloves? Mm-hmm. Like, is this okay?" But there's just stuff in there. The, the, the scariest. Okay, I'll share one more story. Then we'll get to our random stories. Scariest ever. 
So I, I take my son who's like three years old to this in a state till. But this is state till. I don't know if these people did crack. I don't know what it was, but there was like, you know, smoke stains in the walls. Mm-hmm. And there was like food that literally was like four or five years old, crumbled nice. all over the ground. Nice. Toilets that hadn't been flushed in years, filled with, you years? know, what? oh, years. Like you, they're dried up. Oh, geez. and there's just stuff. And like people lived here. And I remember like there were just stacks of stuff everywhere. But like, it was one of those like you felt yeah, like you were like <laughs> at some really bad sort that shall not be named bins, but like a hundred times worse. I feel like in a situation like that, it's it's not probably going to be a win win to get to look anyways, because usually realistically, well, well, one, there's there's the trashing of stuff. And two, they're probably not willing to actually get rid of things because uh, if somebody's a, a legit hoarder and their, their house is like that, um, there's. There's other elements in play, like there's other um, conditions, mental mm-hmm. disorders they have to work through. And, we, you know, you've seen the, the shows like th- those people need an intervention. They need help. Uh, and so you're often even even things because we had a neighbor like that um, at the place we lived at before. I mean, we felt really bad. We were really we got close with this lady and we, we helped her out whenever we could, you know, getting her groceries or like, hey, she needs an air conditioner. Let's get her an air conditioner, things like that. But there was a point where we had to like call the HOA and say like, Hey, like something needs to be done here because like it's a fire hazard and we live right next door and like our, oh, wow. our place is going to burn down. Right. Like if her house catches on fire and yeah, in a place like that, like they don't oftentimes people won't even want to get rid of like old newspapers and magazines. And no, that's what this place was. It's, it's like, there's a connection to things. And so I would say in the same way when you're doing for you garage sales and you drive by and you just see a bunch of like baby stuff, and you just keep on going, right? That's very true. I think when you walk that in the house the worst and you thing see that, you're like, you know what? I've actually got another place I got to be. So I, I, You know what? The thing is, I actually sourced up. I did make money on that place. Oh. I found like a VCR in a box okay. under like 20 microwave pizza boxes. And I found, what well, was scary was that my son was like three. So he's yeah. like digging, digging through stuff. Ooh. And I'm like, yeah. we got to get out of here. Yep. And so I don't even, why did I share that story? I don't know. Okay. But I, <laughs> oh, I shared that story because- we were talking about like people let you into houses mm. and you're like, some houses are scary. That was a scary house. Mm. So anyways, all right. That wasn't a random story. Are you got yeah. any random stories here? Yes. Yeah, so this one's interesting. I see um, just on our notes here that yours in- involves uh, the store that should not be named also, but mine was at the store that should not be named. Uh, maybe it's so, the same one. Maybe. So we were at a, um, my wife and my son and I were on our way somewhere else and we only had like 15 minutes to kill and we're like, let's just run in real quick because you never know, like sourcing really fast. You can sometimes pick up some really cool stuff. So we're like, let's run in. And so we go into the Goodwill. Um, I know Ooh. you hate when I say that, but I, I got to do it like every couple of episodes so people you know. Bleep that, bleep that out? People have to know what the store that should not be named is. You know? That is true because like, we have a lot of new listeners that are like, so, what are you talking about? Um, and, and the funny thing is, is we say that and, and reality is we say that because their prices can be obnoxious um, but we know it's a business and we actually have this secret love affair with with the store that should not be named because Mike, Mike does. Mike's speaking for himself here. Do you never buy anything from them? I do. I could go without them though. Okay. But but we still walk into them, right? We so do, not, we do. It's not like we're out with picket signs. No, 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 no. And <laughs> and and we, we do understand that it's a business. I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Like the the hard part about it is, and I'll share this in my story, is that there's a point of obnoxiousness. Yeah. Where it's not e- it's not even about business anymore. It's about just not understanding the market. And I think that goes back to like our last level of review is 
it's not that they're crazy. It's that they're ill-informed, right? They don't mm-hmm. have all the information. Like, so they, they price things too high, just not knowing, like you said, the market. So it's not like they're, they're, they're really just crazy. It's just that sometimes the pricers and it works the other way too. Sometimes they undervalue things, right? Mm-hmm. So we benefit from that and we don't benefit when they, when they overprice. But anyway, so we go into this store and my son, usually he's in like a, like we put him in this, this not the stroller, but like the, the basket that we push him around the shopping basket. Um, because Heart. Yeah, the cart. Because he's a little crazy. He's he's all over the place. He's a boy. Um, and he's your typical yeah. he's your typical like hyperactive, like go crazy boy. And like we had just did his hair, so it looked really good because we're going to this event. And immediately, like we're holding his hand. And we're like, okay, what would happen if we don't hold his hand for a second? Because he's crying. He wants to touch stuff. We're like, okay, so let's let him go. And instantly into the clothing racks. Hair's a mess. Like we're trying to like get him out, and he's thinking it's a fun game. So he's walking around the store looking like a crazy kid because he's got gel in his hair, but like his hair's all over the place now because he's been crawling in in clothing racks. And a an employee walks <clears throat> up and starts like, oh, he's so cute, right? Asking his name, and then like two more employees come up, and so then literally. Within seconds, I mean, my wife is checking out and I'm still trying to look at stuff. And I'm at this point watching my son and there are, I want to say it was either seven or eight employees surrounding us, talking to my son, asking his name, talking to me. And like, I was like overwhelmed and he's loving all the attention, but I'm like, I'm trying to look at stuff. I'm trying to watch him. I'm trying to like help my wife. Cause like I get the teacher discount. So I'm like trying to give her the teacher card and like all these employees are talking to me and they asked me the most bizarre questions I've ever been asked. Okay. So they, they look at me and one of the employees says, oh, he's so cute. And she says, is he American? And I was like, <laughs> yes, um, he's American. Oh, um, are you American? And I'm like, what? Yes. What, what, like, what, what? Of all the questions to ask. I know. Like that. It was just the most bizarre thing. Um, and then like they couldn't hear his name. Like one of the guys is like, what's your name? And he he doesn't know how to say Judah very well. Is it Miguel or is it Michael? Yeah. Um, but even still, that doesn't mean you're not American, right? No, like, I you know, can, but I, I just, I, I don't understand yeah, the line it was, of questioning. I, I don't know where it came from. I mean, maybe they're just making small talk, but it was weird because like two of them asked that question, right? And one of them, because um, his name is Judah and he was just saying, duh, because he's like trying to say it. And one of the guys was saying, oh, it's Yoda. It must be Star Wars connected. And I'm like, no, it's Judah. <laughs> Baby Yoda. All right. Yeah. So, but anyways, it was just, it was a strange experience because I'm like, I've never been asked that. Um, I don't think ever, except for, I mean, I've been to foreign countries and people have said like, oh, are you American? Like, I'd love to go to America, but I've never been at a store and asked if I if I was American and if my son was American for like no reason, just like making small talk. So it was, it was interesting. I was like, all right, here we go. That's, um, I told my wife, I was like, well, there's my uh, random story for the week. That, that <laughs> is, that's out. pretty random. I, I even have never been asked my American. So, <laughs> Hey, there you go. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, so my story that shall not be named experience. I shared this on, in, on our Instagram stories, but you know, there's only so many that watch those. So I'm, I, you know, I'm comfortable sharing here. So, there's that one store that shall not be named. I think you know. I you've probably been there, but there's like a 24 hour fitness, and then there's oh like, right. I don't go to that one often, but I do know where it is. Yeah. Okay, so that one have you have you experienced insane prices at that one? It's been so long. I think the last time I went was with you. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then when we walked in, there we're like, "This is crazy," yeah. right? That's how long it's been, and it had been six months. And it's interesting because when I made the Instagram story before I walked in, I'm like, "Hey, this store has crazy prices." You know, we'll see what happens. I didn't even know like what I was walking into. This was a store that one time was selling a used pair of Birkenstocks for, I believe, seventy nine ninety nine. Oh, nice. 
They're Use, really they're really hoping for that uh, secondary market to be, you know. I'm like, this, this is crazy, right? So I walk in, and the very first thing I see is a pair of Birkenstocks for fifty nine ninety nine. Not even nice ones, not even you know those uh, those with the buckles or those that people wore in the summer. It was just like these nasty kind of cloggish looking. Mm-hmm. No offense if you like those, by the way, yeah. but they're that, cute if you like them. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, and that's what they were. And I'm like, whoa, this is like, okay. All right. So then I'm like, huh, I wonder how about these boots? So I go look in the boots because, you know, I like cowboy boots and Tony Lama and, and so on. Are, you know, I'm willing to pay like 20, 30. There's a pair of Justin boots for $99.99 nice. used. Retail, they don't even go for that much. Yeah. These weren't even snakes in. They were just plain Justin boots. I'm like, okay, this is this is getting really bad. All right. Go over to Sass Sandals, Um, you know, San Antonio Shoes. You know, those kind of like uh-huh. the tripod comfort shoes. Yeah, $29.99 a pair. Xena Princess Warrior DVD collection for each season. They're selling each season for $59.99. Nice. Yeah, each season. I, you know, I'm, right now I'm, I'm like interested. I'm going to look this up while I talk about it. Watch, they're going for 400 bucks. You are a sucker. You should have bought them. I know, right? I, I, okay, complete series DVD. Okay, here we go. Season three is $13.47. Somebody is selling right now. There's 10 bids. They're selling the complete series plus the 10th anniversary edition for $22.50. Okay. Now it might have been 60 bucks for the whole thing, but even still, yeah. Crazy. Yep. So I'm like, this is nuts. I go, I find a Pendleton jacket. I'm like, oh, this is pretty nice. $69.99. I'm like, what? What is like? I knew it was bad. But this is next level bad. Now, I did find things. There's always weak spots. So I did find some items to make money on. I found some Teva shoes and I found uh, some Echo shoes and I found, you know, a Kahala race horsing shirt. So there was some stuff that they missed. Even that Kahala shirt was $9.99, which, you know, people from like Atlanta DM me and they're like, you know, shirts are only $4.99 here. I'm like, thanks. So <laughs> you know who you are. And so the 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 final icing to the cake. Is that how you say it? Am I using the idiom correctly? Um, I don't. I don't know if you'd say the final icing. I think you'd just say the icing on the cake. <laughs> Sorry, my Latino got in the yeah. way there for a moment. I should ask. I don't want to be offensive right now, but going back to our but what's, story. what's interesting is English is my native language. That's what's crazy about this. So why do I? I don't know. Anyways, so <laughs> the final icing on the cake. I just like saying that now. So I go up to the register. And, and and here's the thing. People know me, right? So I know the managers and I'm cool with them. People know me. People know me. I mean, <laughs> it's, it was funny because back in the day, people would be like, you're a celebrity. I'm like, listen, like, because Goodwill managers know, ooh, so they shall not be named managers know me. Should beep that out. It does not make me a celebrity, but I feel kind of important. So they're like, hey, Orlando, how about this jacket over here? So they point to this Mickey Mouse leather jacket. It's not even a, it's not, a, it's a, it's a, what do you call it? It's like a bootleg. Mm. It's Mickey, Mickey Incorporated or something. And I'm like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that. I take it down and they have the eBay ad on there. And I'm like, oh no, this is already looking bad. They're like, look how much it's selling for on eBay. It's like $560, something like that. Some crazy price. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'm trying to keep my cool about mm. it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how much you guys are selling for. I pulled the price tag, $360, which maybe, maybe it's a thousand dollar jacket, right? Because so I have, I have friends that work at the store that shall not be named. And from my understanding, the ones that I know, 
that are, you know, have been willing to work with me, they're usually about, they'll price things at 25% of what a retail price would be, which I, I get that. Like baby resale shops are like that a lot. If you go and take your stuff and you try to get money, they'll give you 25% of what it's like new and then they'll sell it for 50% off. So they make, you know, their profit. Totally understand that. So then I'm like, what? Okay. So I look up comps. The closest comp sold for $150. So, you know, the manager knows me and he's like, hey, so, you know, I, I, I want to sell this to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And he's like, so what are you willing to do? I'm like, $100. He's like, oh, $100 off? I'm like, no, 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 $100. <laughs> and he's like, $100 off. I'm like, no, 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 no. $100 for the jacket. And he's like, oh, I can't do $100 off. And I'm like, well, look, on eBay, if I buy this for $100, i am still only going to make maybe $60, $80. So $100 is actually a good deal for you guys to sell it. He's like, he looked at me and he looked at the eBay thing. And I said, and I just felt it was like time to educate. Mm. So I told him, I said, hey, listen, here's the deal. You're trying to sell a jacket for three times, even more than three times the price of what it's sold for on eBay. On top of that, you have an ad that is showing what somebody is trying to sell it for. And here's the interesting thing. That ad was like old too. It wasn't even a current ad. So that jacket had been sitting for a while. And then I said, on top of that, you only have so many people that walk through your store compared to the millions of people that saw this jacket on eBay and weren't willing to pay more than $200 for it. So I'm just letting you know, this jacket you're not going to get this price for it. Now you may, you may get that random person that is not knowledgeable, doesn't know how to do research. They fall in love with it and they'll drop that $360. Cause this is kind of in a kind of wealthier area, mm -hmm. right? You're only like a few miles away from, uh, you know, a nice part of La Mesa, uh, La Mesa, El Cajon, San Diego. And so he was like, Hmm, I go, I'm just letting you know. And, and I, if be really honest with you, this is why I don't come to the store very much because you have a lot of items here that your prices aren't even what you can buy them for on eBay. I'm better off buying on eBay and reselling them. And he's like, all right. So we ended up understanding, but it was one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't like, I, I just, it didn't make, this is why people get so upset. Yeah. Because they're, they're, it's, it's not rational what they're yeah. doing. And I think like, it just goes back to the idea of they just don't know. Um, they're looking, people do it all the time. They look at what something is selling for as opposed to what something has actually sold for. Those are two very different things. Um, you know, and I, I'm not saying people could do this, but I'm sure there's even people who could like create, I don't even know how to, to pose this the right way. There's, I've been tempted. I've never done it because to me it would be crossing an ethical line, but there have been people who've reached out to me, like even on my Craigslist ad made it like tried to make a deal and they're like you know what i'm gonna try and sell it for x amount on offer up right and it's like look you can do that and you might actually make that much but then like you know do i go on offer up offer to buy it for that price and then back out of it so then they realize oh it's hard to sell on offer up you know what i mean so like i'm sure that there are people who can even do that with their own things like where they list something list it very high and then offer Ooh, it to you and say like super conspiracy right like look look they, there's there's one selling for 500 on ebay right now at a garage sale i'll sell it to you for 250 well is it their listing up there for 500? I'm not saying it is. It's probably like never a it's thing. Not, yeah, but it's it's possible. I mean, and, I, and I'm not saying it's possible like one in a million chance. Like, I think it's very likely that those kind of things can happen. I don't see why not. That's like, like you said, hardcore conspiracy. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the likelihood, but <laughs> you never know. 
We'll just save that for a conspiracy episode. Yeah. We'll add that. I was thinking about the other way. I was thinking in a very nefarious way where you quickly make a listing for an item and you make it super low. And then you mm. just go like, hey, look. Yeah, but what if somebody bought it? No, no. You just like on the spot, like you see something really expensive. I'm we're just giving bad ideas. <laughs> just, yeah, don't ever do any of this stuff. You yeah. go back to your car, you make a listing real quick, you take a stock photo or whatever, and you go back and you're like, hey, somebody's trying to sell this for, you know, what are so-and-so, so... Here's no. what would happen. Like I know 100 percent what would happen to Orlando. I can't believe we're you even would, talking about. You would this. try that. No, I won't. No, 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 I know you won't. But I I'm just saying this is what would happen. You're trying to buy this thing. They're asking 100. You make a fake a fake listing for 20 bucks. Uh, you go in there. Somebody buys the item off of eBay for 20 bucks, and you're stuck buying this thing for 100 to send it to them. So you don't have. There you go. That's why you shouldn't do it. Don't ever do because it'll 100 percent backfire. Because yes. the moment that you make the listing, somebody has it in their safe searches on eBay, and ching ching, you're like, no. When you're stuck, you're like, oh, okay, I'll buy this for full price. Okay, see? I'm so glad that turned really quick into a bad idea. Yeah, it started off as a bad idea. There was no turn. That's very true. Okay. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Okay, do you have another story you want to share? I have no. one more. You got one more. All right. One more. So I wanted to share this because I think this is a very good example of the reality of reselling. So we have, we have a good friend of ours that started reselling and well, he's more good friends than me, but you know who he is. And actually he'd gone on some ride alongs with me with, to garage sales. And, you know, I had been showing him, Hey, this is what you can make on this. And it's kind of interesting because the first ride along he did with me, it was just terrible. Mm. I think I found like five Harley shirts. Now I did sell each of those Harley shirts for 40 bucks and I paid five. So he got to see a little bit of it, but he's probably listening to the podcast. So <laughs> I'm trying no, I don't need to try lightly. He knows this is all real. So what happens is terrible, terrible garage sale morning. Just the worst I've had in a long time. It's interesting because Mike and I had a discussion, you know, <laughs> off the podcast last week. And he's like, Orlando, do you really make potential $300 net profit at ADG garage sale morning? And I'm like, yeah, Mike, definitely every single time. First Saturday I go out after that, didn't happen. <laughs> no, it, but it does happen to me. And I was trying to explain to Mike, it's a knowledge thing. Like the longer you do this, the easier it is to find stuff. Because when you're first starting, it's hard. And even Mike right now will tell you, he can find stuff way, way better now at a thrift store than he could a year ago. Right. And most of you that listen to us can, can share that. So terrible morning. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to another estate sale. In the middle of that, I get this text and it's from my friend. And he's like, the time has come. And he told me already about this. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. I encouraged him. I said, hey, try this for a little bit longer and just shoot me a text when you're done. So he texts me. He goes, time is done. I'm ready to clean out the garage. I'm like, all right. Okay. I go. He let me pick up everything he sourced for his eBay store. Everything. And it was crazy because... You know, it's a nice haul because it's already stuff that's been researched. Because I remember with everything, I'm like, are you sure you can make money? And it's like, yeah, bro. Like, I I, I sold, the, I searched comps and I searched. I'm like, sure enough, there's money to be made on that. Now, there's a few things he didn't test. And this is what he told me. He said, I understand reselling and there's money to be made, but it's a lot of work. And he, one of the things he did is he picked up a lot of electronics that he knew you could make money on. And he just he just didn't want to deal with it. So there's a few things that were untested. And he told me, these things here are tested. These are not tested. 
And you know, with clothing, clothing was another thing. He picked up a bunch of rain spooner shirts and, you know, listing clothing takes some work. Like you got to find the right space. You got to take a picture. You got to do measurements, you know, all those things. Now he had some killer scores too during his time of reselling, but he just basically said, you know what? I just, it's just, it's not for me. Mm. And made me realize a few things. Number one is that yes, reselling is hard work, but reselling, you can burn out really quick two ways. One, I think it's if you try to scale too fast, right? You sourcing, you sourcing, you sourcing, you source, you're not listing or you're not prepping or, or you, you're just sourcing things just because you think there's value. And then you're like, this is too exhausting. It's too much work. The other one is if you just source things just based on the monetary value you're going to make. And I know there's going to be a lot of people on this podcast that disagree with me. Right. And you and I kind of disagree a little bit. I'm very big on uh, at this stage of my life about follow your passion. Like discipline's good, but motivation is going to take you to the next level. You would say discipline kicks in when motivation dies. Right. Right. But I'm very much it's motivation, motivation, motivation. And as of right now, you know, and Mike and I have had discussion. Mike, Mike has told me several times, like, Orlando, I'm worried about like you're just gonna burn out. You're just gonna walk away. And it's a very real thing because I've hustled like crazy. And this is why I've kind of taken a break from Amazon because there was a little bit of me that was kind of like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this warehouse work. So he was sourcing a lot of things that he just really wasn't interested in, right? Things that I really was interested in, but it so he learned from me. So he was trying to source some things that I would have sourced, but it just wasn't his thing. Right. And Mike, luckily with you, Mike, you found stuff. You would pick up some stuff I shared with you and I told you about, but over time you just found your own things that you wanted to source. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still, you're, there is an aspect of like certain things there is profit in like VCR is a good example. In fact, I had a friend who I took to a couple of thrift stores with me one time and he picked up a bunch of VCRs. Um, and yeah, same thing. He moved. Um, like a year ago. And during his move, he's like called me over and he's like, Hey, can you, you just want to take these? And I was like, yeah, how much do you want for him? He's like, no, man, just take them, please. Like I'm never going to list them. And I think I've listed half of the ones he picked up. Like he, he picked up like seven of them. Um, I've probably listed like three of them. I haven't listed the other four myself because it's a lot of work and there's other things that are easier to list. And I've, you know, haven't had a lot of time. So there is an aspect of pick up things, you know, you can list quickly. Um, and, and you're not going to have a hard time. Um, but if you're in a position where you've got nothing but time and you're like, I don't have anything to list, I'm having a hard time finding stuff. This thing is going to take twice as long as something easier, but it's all I have. Then yeah, pick it up. And, but the danger is you might go, you know what? I can just go source and find better stuff. Right. I mean, that that's the thing. And so right now I have stacks of electronics in my in my storage unit that I sourced from him. Yeah. We need to follow the uh, the amazing taste store mentality of list the same day or two, never have. That's so intense. It is. I mean, but it's a good idea. No, no. They're, this is why Cindy and Matt are amazing because they follow through on that. If I follow through on that, I'd probably be at another level, right? In my reselling. I just, I like taking my time. But anyways, it was a massive, it was a massive haul. Picked up, I did pay him some money just because I kind of felt bad. Like I kind of felt kind of a responsibility of like, you know. Yeah, I got you into this. Well, I didn't get him into this. He made his own choices. Yeah. But that's what big reason why we're so upfront with saying this is not easy, right? Like there are a lot of people who sell the idea 
You're mm-hmm. going to get rich quick or buy my course or buy my book or whatever it is. And you're going to make a ton of money. And the truth is there's a lot, but I think if people were more upfront, like, Hey, you're, you can make a living off of doing this, but you're going to have to work just as hard or harder as you would at a nine to five. So like, is that the amount of work you want to put into it? And if you're upfront with that, I mean, some people will say yes. Some people will say no. There's been times for me, like for me, it's like seasonal. So there's like weeks where it's like this week, these, these two weeks, there's no way sourcing is a priority. There's no way listing or eBay is a priority. I've got things going on with family. I've got these other things happening at school. And so luckily I'm in a place where I can like say like, okay, these couple of weeks, I'm just going to ship whatever sells. I'm not listing anything. Right. And that's okay for my model. But yeah, if you were like relying on this being a source of income or you that this was going to be easy and you realize like, man, I'm spending hours every night listing, packing, shipping. Um, Maybe it's not for you, right? If you are missing the fact that you're not getting able, not able to sit down and watch the game or hang out with friends or whatever it is. So we want to be upfront with that. If you're just starting out, it takes work. And if you're uh, if you're a veteran reseller, you're right now listening to this going like preach, like we know it. Cause there's a lot of people who think it's, it's easy. And I think it does a disservice to everybody when we say it's easy because it does take hustle. It's a lot of work. And I think what that does is there should be more, I guess, acknowledgement of the fact that those of you who are successful reselling, you're earning it. You're working for it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're making it work because you're working really hard. And so some people might see what you're doing and say like, oh, either one, what you do isn't legitimate or two, that it's just you're playing games all the time. And it's like, no, like this is legitimate hard work. Yeah. And, and the positive side to that is there is a time when the hard work does slow down. Mm. It's not a constant grind. I mean, like I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, with Amazon, there I would go days without listening and I'd still make eBay sales. There'd be days I'd only make five to 10. I would say right now, it's still a rarity for me to list 25 things a day. I would say generally I list guaranteed five to 10 things, 15 to 25. Like that's more of the rarity. But with Amazon, and with eBay and again, cost of living, I've, I've reduced my expenses to a place where I don't need a lot to live and to take care of my kids. That's what's crazy. I can make it in California. Now that's because there's a lot of things I've negotiated and worked that, you know, I only pay so much here. I only pay so much here, but you know, there is a time where it does get better. It just, I would say in the beginning, especially when you go full time, Full time is a hustle. We'll talk about that. We have a couple episodes from now in our theme episodes where I talk about, hey, so you want to be a full time seller? This is what it's going to take, right? And it's just going to be one perspective. But I think there's there's a reality of with any business when you're first starting, there's going to be a hustle. I, I, you know, maybe there are there are there are those that you know they find that niche and they kill it and they're not working ever, but that's very rare. And that's one of the reasons why we say it's so important to start slow. Don't quit your day job. Keep going, build slowly in this um, because yeah, people, any successful business, I mean, there are the very rare exceptions, uh, but I would say 99% of successful businesses, the vast majority for sure. The people who are owning it, starting it, getting it off the ground, oftentimes go years eating top ramen, cutting every expense. They don't have cable. They don't. And every penny that they get, they're pouring back into the business. They're not getting a paycheck for years and years and years. They're borrowing money to make ends meet. And if they're lucky and if they work hard enough and if the market is receptive to whatever it is they're selling or the product or service, then they make it. And then years down the road, they get to live off of that hard work. 
But I mean, even, you know, you hear the story of, of Apple or you hear the story of Windows or any yeah, of them, yeah. they, they all start oftentimes in their garage or just a few people and they're sacrificing and sacrificing. So if you expect to start full time and be able to pay yourself a paycheck from the get go, you got to realize there were years and years of hard work that people have started to get to that place in the first place. I feel like this has become a theme episode, but it's, we trying to be real. Trying to be real. So, all right, it's time for breaking. There are, there are changes in the reselling world. Things are happening. We, we're on it live out on the streets or in the studio. Out in the streets. Throwing it over to you, Orlando. Thank you, Mike. Today's news. No, this is not reseller news. This is topics. Whatever. Topics. All right. Tomato, so tomato. So this one, this is going to be an interesting one that I'm sharing because there's only one news source for this one. And it's that managed delivery on eBay is done. Just not happening. All right. So I thought it was super interesting. So there, the only source was like this Silicon business news or something that came out of San Jose. And in order to read it, you had to like have a subscription or something. Now there are other some uh, other influencers out there that talked about it, and because I came across it too, and then I was interested in like what other people thought. So like the auction professor talks about it in one of his YouTube, and uh, somebody else I can't remember who it was had talked about it too. And I'm like, hey, I wonder if they heard this from anywhere else. So, it, but no, it's kind of all the same source. I know I try to go to the managed delivery like eBay page, it's gone. Mm. It has that kid with the jacket like. We've lost it. We don't know where it's at. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. You ever had that when mm -mm. there's a link broken on eBay? Mm -mm. The kid with a parka jacket? Please excuse. Oh, I think, yeah. I've seen that a few times. It's like Amazon has a dog. Yeah. like, whoops, something went wrong. So that's what happened to that page. It's their 404. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I, and I, but I wanted to talk about this because there's a part of me that felt good about this. Do you think I should feel good about this, Mike? The manager's delivery is dead? Or do you think it's a bad thing for eBay? Just want to hear your commentary. I don't know. Um, First of all, let's explain managed delivery because there's probably people that are listening that have no idea what we're talking right. about. So managed delivery was eBay's very similar program to Amazon's Amazon, yeah. fulfillment by Amazon. So same thing. You would pack things, ship it out to an eBay warehouse or an eBay location, and then eBay would pack it and ship it and send it to someone when it sells. And you would get royalties from that. eBay was going to be a little bit different based on what we heard, because instead of it being all done directly through eBay, there's going to be a lot of third party logistics that was going to take care of a lot of the work. Mm. So it was supposed to be some kind of competition to Amazon's FBA. Yeah. I mean, I guess I think it would have been in a lot of ways a good thing for eBay to have something like that. The reason it might be a good thing that they're not putting time and energy into it is Amazon started as a logistics company and they have that expertise, that knowledge, and the amount of effort and energy that is taken for them to build what they have, the expectation if eBay were to start one would be able to be to perform in a similar manner to Amazon. And the reality is it's not going to be anywhere close for years as they're trying to develop and master their system. And the growing pains during that, I think, would turn so many people off of eBay that it would be really challenging. I mean, we see some similar things like I think Apple's a good example of this. So the the benefit of Apple is they have kind of their cult following. They have people who are are loyal no matter what. 
But when Apple first switched away from Google Maps as their map system, mm -hmm. and they're like, you know what, we're going to do our own iPhone maps as our map system, and we're just taking away Google, there was like a lot of problems for there a long was. time with that. And, and the maps was just... It didn't work out. It didn't work. But here's the thing. Eventually, they were able to get there and people excuse the problems that they had because it's like they're devoted to Apple. But they didn't realize they're competing with Google Maps, who already has years and years and years of data that is proprietary. They own that. Right. And so for somebody to for somebody else to try and come in and match that, the expectation is it's going to perform as well as Google Maps. Well, unless they've spent years behind the scenes developing this without rolling it out, soft rollouts, things like that, you're going to run into issues. When I worked at DirecTV, I remember it was really weird because DirecTV and Dish Network were the two like competitors at the time for satellite is they would do weird things like buy Hollywood video. And it's like, why is DirecTV buying Hollywood video or Blockbuster or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. each one bought another one. It's like, why would they do that? Because nobody's buying those things. Well, the reason why is because those companies had certain rights to certain films. They had the access to the studios. And so by buying that company, they were buying that information, right? They were buying the ground rate, the groundwork that has been done. They were buying the system. And so for eBay to try and do that from scratch, like it would be great for them to be able to develop something similar but it would have to be at such a different scale as Amazon. And I think the expectation would be, it would be like Amazon. And the first time you're sending stuff in and they're having problems logistically, their third party people are having issues, whatever it is, people are going to say, you know, what? I'm done with eBay or people are going to be done with buying from eBay because there's going to be issues. And so maybe it's a good thing that they're not doing it. However, would it be awesome if they had that and it ran smoothly? Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting it to run smooth just because they would have learned a lot from Amazon mistakes. Yeah, but they don't have all the information. Like, that you learn from the mistakes, but like the mistakes of what? Like, you don't have the specifics of like when you stack things in the warehouse like this and when you run this. No, and you're right. You're systems, right. Like, That's a good point. There's so much IT stuff that goes behind that they just won't have access to. And yeah. Now, I did hear that they had some pilot, like individuals actually doing the managed delivery. I just, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where there's a couple of things that came out of eBay open that I was excited about that they were doing like Amazon. So for instance, the one thing I thought was great was that they were going to do the buy it again mm -hmm. feature where if somebody bought something from you, when they search for the item, yours would be the one that comes up first. Yeah. If they had, if you were selling replenishables. Yeah. I thought that was a great idea because right now, you know, there have been things that I keep selling through mm -hmm. that I'm like, huh, I'll probably just keep repurchasing that item. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, that, by the way, that's another, that's a legitimate reason to have a stealth account. It should be in your name, but you just don't share it publicly. Right. So it's not a stealth account, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. But th for that, it would be great. Right. But, you know, when it comes to used items and all that, you know, I, I don't know, maybe somebody will go, hey, buy again another Rain Spooner shirt or yeah. buy again another Patagonia. I don't know, because right now, yeah. well, but but there is a weakness in the system that, we you never know when you have a repeat buyer, mm. right? As far as my knowledge, to my knowledge, there's only two ways I find out if I have a repeat buyer. One, it'll tell me on PayPal, or it'll tell me on GoDaddy Bookkeeping. But outside of that, on eBay, because I've had repeat buyers and and you know I've, I've several repeat buyers, but it never tells me unless I recognize their username, I'm not going to know. And you know what's great? If we can know that there's repeat buyers, it would definitely help you establish your relationship and say, hey. 
I know you've been buying this. If I come across, I'll let you know, you know, right away. And then, you know, let me know if you're interested. Yep. Like, how awesome would that be? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I, I think that would be a, maybe one benefit of the things that came out of eBay Open. Going back to the the eBay fulfilled, as it were, one of the, the, the cells, the cell pitch they had with that that I think got so many people excited, and I remember lots of claps and cheers, was the idea that if eBay is doing that, then things that get sent out are always going to be sent out in eBay boxes. And they talked about the number oh, of items that, that get sold on eBay. And they said, imagine instead of on people's porches, like random boxes that are reused and boxes that are bought at U-Haul and boxes that are Amazon boxes, just, you know, repackaged. What if all of the boxes that are on people's porches are eBay branded, right? Like it's going to help sellers. People are going to know to go to eBay. My thought, and, and maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe this is, this is a bad idea, but my suggestion would be, I've already said the suggestion of give us more boxes for free, right? Like and I know they give you a $25 credit or whatever the credit so they is. They kind of do that a little bit. Kind of, to an extent. But if you're selling a lot of items in your store, if you've got a big store, that credit's not going to buy enough boxes uh, for everything you sell. Here would be my compromise. So my meeting in the middle on that would be, if a seller sells an average of 100 things a month, then eBay should be willing to say, like, we will provide you 100 boxes of like certain sizes every month. If you're selling 20 items, that way it's not just like free, you can get as many as you want, but it's like, what's the average items you sell? We want to make sure you're shipping them in eBay boxes, hmm. right? So that would be, they're getting the marketing because it's marketing for them, right? Like that's one of the benefits of Amazon. You see that Amazon little swoosh with the arrow, right? Like, oh, and they change the announcements. Like they all announce when Prime Day is coming on those boxes. They yeah. all announce any deals. I mean, they do a great job. Yeah, marketing. so it's marketing. It's it's their logos everywhere. The eBay logo, maybe people are using eBay tape, but you got to pay for that stuff, right? So you're paying to market for them. So the benefit would be is if they could say like, yeah, it's a little bit of a cost to us, but like, you know, if this person is selling 500 items every single month, we would love that all 500 of those items are going on eBay boxes and not boxes they're buying from Uline or whatever for for a certain price, but we're just giving them to them because this is a good seller for us and we're going to make their seller happy happy, and we're getting the marketing. Like To me, that would be a win-win. So right. get on it, eBay. <laughs> You're still our bay. I just, I just you know, all, all these things, I, to me, there's definitely a shift happening in eBay. Not only from, you know, the CEO resigning, but... You know, they just sold StubHub. They officially sold it actually a few days ago. So now they have, I don't know, three point. They have a lot of money to play with. I forget what the exact number. I could look it up, but it's a lot of money. So the other thing that they're bringing in now is this eBay town halls, right? And we shared this on, on Instagram. So this is the other topic is that if you guys aren't on the seller community forum, the eBay seller community forum, you should, should be on there. I wish they had a better way to kind of push that mm. because- the only reason I know is because I'm trying to research for the podcast. Right. Right. And so sometimes when I'm researching eBay current things or whatever, or I have certain Google searches, like I find out stuff or I'll go to the eBay seller community forum or I'll go to Reddit and I'll try to find stuff for us to talk about. But the interesting thing is that, you know, they have this seller town hall, but the only way you know about that town hall is if you are subscribed to the eBay seller forum. So, you know what? We'll put that in the link in our in our YouTube for you to be able to go there because I go on there and supposedly, well, not supposedly, you're <laughs> factually, you're supposed to submit questions and those questions, you know, people can upvote it kind of like on Reddit and the, the you know, the, the top execs right now, eBay are going to be answering them. So let me, let me just read that, read what it says, because I think this is really important 
Because at this point in time, right, when there isn't a CEO and there isn't somebody there, right, it's an opportunity for those of us that have been selling for a while to kind of share opinions. Now, I want to be clear. This is kind of like when I was an administrator and Mike's going to hate this. And I invited town halls where we had discussion with the faculty just because somebody said it and believed it doesn't mean it was going to be implemented. Oh, for sure. Right. But, you know, you, we sometimes Some get, people just want to be heard. Yeah. And, and and it's good. It's an outlet. But, you know, there's also the other component that you don't know. And I don't know all the rationale why something doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, for instance, we have a certain question that we're posting. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But here, I'll read it to you real quick. It says, and this actually happened February 25th. Right. And we're dropping this episode uh, in a couple of days. In a couple of days, we're going to be 17, 18, 19, 20. So, we have some time for you to sign up because this is going to be happening on 25th of February. It says eBay's first seller town hall streams live right here, February 25th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join eBay leaders in this must-see event as they share the latest news and guidance for successful selling. Watch as Jordan Sweetnam, Marnie Levin, and Harry Temkin, love that guy, uh, walk sellers through updates on the business, product, and community as well as answer your top questions, right? So here it is. What questions have you got for eBay? And then you're supposed to submit them. And then eBay leaders will answer top questions live on February 25th. So we do have a question on there. Should we share our question? I want to talk about it. Yeah, question. sure. Okay. So our question that we put on there, let me get to it real quick. <laughs> we have already responded. It's an interesting discussion. You should check out our discussion on there because maybe we're not right. <laughs> maybe there's it's just a question it's, it's just an we're idea. just we're just posing a question so our question is has there been discussion of removing insertion fees to bring in more sellers which may lead to more sales meaning more profit and the way reason we posted that question that way is we're trying to get the no because mm. then you have to explain the no right right because you're not just going to go here's a question from Pierce podcast one of the top questions nope and move on, right? Right. I mean, these are leaders, so yeah. they're, they're and, and maybe their 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 rationale will will appease. You know, like there's oftentimes decisions are made with good reason, right? So it's like here's the reasons we don't do this. We have the statistics, we have the numbers, and if that's the case, then yeah, we all walk away with more knowledge and say like, okay, great. Like now we believe in why eBay is doing this, right? So so either way, or they'll say, you know what, that's a good idea. We need to move in that direction, and then um, you know, going back to our never split the difference then we'll push for like three more yeses before we actually believe that something would change. Right. Like, cause it's easy to say like, yeah, it's in the works and then it goes away. No, but they do. I mean, I can't say this directly. This is why it happened. But remember when we were in that room with other, uh -huh. you know, YouTubers and so on and at eBay open and they had asked us about send offer and how it works. And we had said, we wish there was more functionality because one of the things we always get asked is, They'll send us a number and they'll say with free shipping. Mm -hmm. And we had recommended it'd be nice if we could amend the, the counter offer and put somehow change it to free shipping. And then, you know, we can give them the option. Well, one of the things they lately, and we'll talk about this in a moment that they added was there's counter offers now to your send offer, right? Yep. You can send the offer and the, and the counter offer. And I've able, I've been able to convert sales as a result of that. So here's my question though. So we posed this question on the forum. We put, you know, we, I don't know. We're, I'm a very big believer that insertion fees should be removed. Are we agreed on that? Me and you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm on the fence. Like part of me okay, says, yes. Okay. Um, I, I think, I think the whole store thing, um, probably, and we've talked about this like ad nauseum, right? Of like, I don't know if ad nauseum, it's been a while. 
I, I don't know, like in, in my mind, eBay is the only platform that that does it the way they do it, where you have to have a store in order to like, and I get like overhead. I understand that like compared to a brick and mortar, it's fantastic deal, right? Like the store you get, the number of listings you get. So, and I understand the, the arguments of, you know, by doing this, you're discouraging people from just putting junk on there. But I just think of every other platform, Poshmark, Mercari, OfferUp, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, right? Like all of them, you can just list. You list, you list, you list. And if things sell, they sell. Like, so there's there's more, there's less holding you back and it's less that they're pulling out of your pocket, right? Like, so would it be beneficial? Like, do I think it's weird that I have to pay however much it is I'm paying every month for my store? And yeah, I, once a quarter I get a credit, but it's like, just let me sell my stuff. You're getting final value fees. And I get the idea of like, okay, well, they, they have to make their money. Well, make your money on the end. And then there's been some good arguments where people say like, reduce the final value fees, but keep the insertion fees. That would keep people from, from you know, putting up junk, but then they the scammers still, when, right. when it show up. So I, I understand both arguments to an extent, but I just think the whole idea of paying for the store and paying up for stores and paying up for more functionality, it's like, just, just give us the best functionality, let us list. And you might, they might actually end up making more money because there'll be more sales, right? Like if I could just list anything, like I just think back when I first started, cause right now I'm at a sweet spot where I have room. I have some, some listings, free listings on my store, but I'm paying every month for those listings. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I didn't have to pay every month for those listings, and especially when you get to that in-between spot, cause our listeners who are in the in-between, like, do I up? Like, Oh, I'm in a weird spot. Premium and anchor. I'm right in the middle. And it's a big jump, right? Like so, the price yeah. jump's big. And, and well, yeah, it's from $59.95 to $299.95. And once the 20th hits, so when we went to Good Till Canceled on everything, mm -hmm. and I still would have relisted anyways, mm -hmm. whether they did that or not. Once the 20th hits, then the fees start cranking. Yeah. Right. And so I end up paying anywhere from $150 to $200 in fees. I won't jump. I don't jump to the anchor store because it's not worth it to me yet because I still save that 100 or so. But I do know a lot of sellers that that's a big deal for them. And so they will hold off and wait till the month starts all over to relist. Relist new things. Right. Or they'll wait for that deal to come through and so on. And, you know, we could have a discussion is a 10 cents worth it, but it depends where you're at. But I do feel that the insertion fee is antiquated in the sense that it's kind of like with when, remember when eBay used to charge for, for pictures? pictures? Yeah, yeah, Man, exactly. What it, was that? It, like, it, well, and it made sense for the like back in those times. The big reason why they were doing that is data mm -hmm. storage of data in the cloud or on servers because there wasn't really a cloud at the time. Is but servers, which is kind of what the cloud is, it was expensive. Memory was expensive, right? Like, remember when you got a computer and it was like, man, this computer has this computer has you know five gigs of of storage. This computer has seventy gigs. I remember when I got like a, a PC that had seventy gigs of storage, and I was like ecstatic. Like, you know how many songs I can store? No, I now you can buy a terabyte. You can buy you can buy like flash drives that are yep. almost hundred gigs, right? Like sixty four hundred twenty eight gigabyte flash drives for like fifteen bucks, mm -hmm. right? So the cost of storing data has gone down. So it doesn't make sense for them to, to charge for pictures. That would be, it wouldn't make sense because nobody else is doing that. But the same thing with like the insertion fees, it doesn't, there's no way that it's costing them what, what they're charging. And I get their business, they've got to make money, but it just seems like in the long term, and I could be off, I don't have all the numbers that they have, but that they can maybe bring in more people. And we talked to somebody at eBay open with that idea of like, 
well, you know, your first, when you're first starting out, you get those however many listings for free and it's enough to, to hook people, like to get people coming in. The average seller isn't going to be listing more than, what is it? What do you get like when you first start? Like 20 know, or I something? I don't remember. Yeah, it, you get like 20 or so listings. <clears> like, <throat> so if you're just selling stuff in your garage, because that was my, my, my claim to the person was like, if you're just a person, like I'm going to sell some things in my garage, this is now an issue for you. And you're like, well, but you get like the 20 free. So it's not, it's not actually an issue for them. It's like, but as you start to grow, it becomes more and more of an issue, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think for some people that is a turnoff. And if you can convince people, hey, it's free. And if I have a choice, right? If I mean, I'm not on these as many other platforms, but as more and more younger people are growing up and I would just say most likely Generation Z people coming in are jumping on other platforms just mm -hmm. because they're, they're newer, they're hipper. So and we know they are though. Yeah. Like the, there is concrete evidence out there that yep. that's happening. And so the idea is if all of those, if, if your competitors are doing it that way, then you should do it that way too, right? Like don't charge the insertion fee. I mean, even Amazon, you pay the fee when it sells, right? Correct. Like, I mean, you have the $40, you know, if you get a professional account for Amazon, it's but 40 it's bucks unlimited. a month, but it's unlimited. Yep. Yeah. So and you're paying for space, but if you, yeah, if you're doing FBA or if you're doing merchant fulfilled, yeah, but even if, one. Yeah, but th there's an understanding with FBA is a whole different beast because yeah. there's an understanding that they're storing your stuff right. for you, right? So, you know, yeah, do you get bothered when you get the fees? But you understand, mm -hmm. right? The insertion fees gets troubling because you feel like eBay's double dipping at times, yeah. right? Because you're like, hey, you, and, and on top of that, we have promotional listings that we have we haven't even talked about. So, there's all the this gambit of stuff. And the other thing is that you know, there's always this huge research about is free shipping a barrier for buyers, right? Well, not saying it's the exact same clean argument, but I think it's can be made the same argument that if you're new to reselling and you don't understand like how much money you're gonna make or how much you can you can actually make doing eBay, like right away when you're when you get that first invoice and like let's say you listed 40 items and you didn't sell and then you have all these insertion fees. Like you're kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want yeah, to sell anymore. This, and and it, it, even though it might be a small amount, it yeah. still might turn you off. And the thing too is like, there's the other argument of like, do we really want to bring in lots of new sellers? And I think that's a very narrow viewpoint. It's a very short term viewpoint of like, yeah, if you have less competition up front, absolutely, you'll make more money in the short term. But long term, if you bring in, if we can increase the number of sellers on eBay by twofold, right? Let's just to throw that number out there. If you could just double the number of sellers. That means there's more product out there. Some of those sellers are going to be buyers. And that means there's going to be more people looking to buy things because there's more things that you can get on eBay. The prices are going to be better. The more buyers you bring into eBay, long term, it's going to be more sustainable of a platform and you can make more money in the long term. Well, And that's the Amazon game. Yep. You know, Amazon, if you ever want to buy stuff on Amazon that's new, go to Amazon. Yep. Right. I, I really don't know many people that aren't willing to pay a little bit extra to get that prime. Right. Right. And Amazon has blown up. I mean, there's all and, you know, I do complain a lot about the competition and all the sellers, but still it's so lucrative to do Amazon because that's the go to for a lot of yeah, people. They have the lion's share of the market. Correct. And if eBay could be the and it still is the place, but if it could maintain that's, you know, that place on the throne and expand the kingdom even more imagine how much more sales. And then, you know, this is the first year that Amazon based on sales did not make more profit, mm. right? Their, their profits were from promotional listings and stuff like that. And so overall, this is why we're saying, Hey, it's okay. Why don't we bring in as many sellers as, as possible? 
and maybe put some other safeguards, right? Base it on seller performance or right now you can only list some, right now there are things like you can only list so many items if you're brand new, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there are things in place. Yeah, And people, people, I, I think too, the idea of people just listing junk might be a little bit of a, of a, I don't want to say scare tactic, but a worry because one, again, it's going to take work for people to take pictures, for people to list. And if people are going to list 500 items of literally just like, here's like a rusty nail and here's like, I doubt people are going to do that. There might be a handful of people who are just listing a bunch of junk, but people are still searching for things. So if you're searching for a rain spooner shirt, it's not going to matter if people are listing like random junk they have in their house. They have to find the shirts. They have to list the shirts. They have to. Well, well not just that, but they have to, people who are searching are going to be searching for specific things. Like people aren't just like, it's not like a swap meet where you're literally just looking at stuff and you're overwhelmed with random things. Like you're searching for specific things. hundred percent. I totally get where you're going. Yeah. So if you're searching for like PlayStation twos, like it doesn't matter if people are, are, are putting up a bunch of random like knife blocks that are junky because those aren't going to interfere. It's not like you're walking into a store and there's random junk everywhere. Like if they're not searching for that item and maybe some people will put up a bunch of like PlayStation two stickers, PlayStation. So maybe it gets drowned out a little bit, but They've got enough like filters and things that I don't, I can't imagine it being enough of an issue. And I can't imagine anybody, any seller being upset with having to pay less. And the other, and we'll end it on this one is, oh, unless you want to share more, you can talk whatever, say whatever you want. But thank you for giving <laughs> me permission to speak. <laughs> I knew we were going to go there with that one. The, the, the thing is here, all those sellers are already out there. Right. So when when eBay went away for from the fees for shoes that sell for over a hundred, that brought over people. I'm sure it brought over a lot of people from Mercari, or maybe they cross posted, but from Mercari, StockX, and Poshmark, the sellers are already out there. Right. It's not gonna be like people are gonna be sitting at home watching a commercial. eBay no longer doing insertion fees. Time to go to the thrift store, mom. Like that's just not gonna happen. Right. The sellers are already there. Why not bring them to eBay and overall keep eBay this mega, mega secondary market company that overall can help us bring more buyers to our items and in turn make more profit. Yeah. So no matter where you stand on this, we'd love to hear, but go log on to the the town hall section. Yeah, we'll put the link below. And and upvote our question because whether or not you agree, disagree, it'd be great to hear the answer and and to be a part of this discussion. So uh, and we're open to being wrong too. Yeah. I mean, th- again, maybe you know, there's something that they'll share that Mike and I'll go, yeah. oh, we didn't know that. Yep. So yeah, please upvote. It'd be awesome. We would love to. We want. We, we just want to know. Yeah, we should just flood this with upvotes and comments. That'd be great. We should have like a whole like like uh, our community commenting on there. That'd be awesome. Bring in the pure hustle community. At least get in the double digits. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So next thing. Hey, um, I wanted to talk. Well, let's talk about one more eBay thing. So background removal for pictures is now available nice. on iOS. Okay. I still don't have it though. I don't know when it's rolling out, but if you haven't checked, update your app. And if you have an Apple phone or you know a Mac phone, whatever you want to call it, it's there. And I think it's an awesome tool. Now, there's some mixed reviews out there. Kind of the mixed reviews are that, you know, obviously you work a lot faster if you already have the lights set up and, mm-hmm. and the, you know, you don't need that. Yeah. Right. Because it's boom, 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 boom. This one, you got to wait. You got to hit some clicks. But yeah. it's an awesome tool. Yeah. Like, especially if you're starting brand new and you don't have any of those items or even if you have all those items, you can't get that picture right. 
like I could see this on some items. You definitely want to use that tool. So check your app if you didn't know, because obviously there wasn't like a nationwide, mm-hmm. you know, announcement. It's just certain people are getting the updates. So check your phones for that. Yep. All right. Uh, let me, I don't know. I want to, okay. I want to share this next one. Really? This is like an announcement and we don't support PBS or frontline, but there's this really cool documentary that that's dropping uh, pretty soon here. I think it's dropping on, yeah, on the 18th. On the 18th. So it's going to be pretty much the day that this, around the day that this podcast drops. So the day before, but it's a PBS Frontline. And I think it's a hit piece on Amazon, but I, I kind of want to see what they have to you say. You know what we should do? Yeah. Um, and there's always like... A viewing party? Like yes. mystery science? No, yeah. <laughs> there's always gray area with this, but you can yeah. do it um, copyright wise where it's not like, hey, we're, we're showing the video. Well, we could, I mean, I don't want to say we're going to do this, but we could like go through a show like this and like, do commentary on it and so play a little clip from it discuss our views a reaction on it. video yeah not just like i mean not like a typical like reaction but like you know like provide commentary there's a lot of places and, and and things that do that like i saw one that was like on the oscars and so like they're showing the oscars and as they're showing it they're talking about it they're talking about or um uh, what's his name um i don't know exactly how he does his but uh joe rogan does like the the fight um companion i think is what it's called and i think it could be like the same time that the fights are on you watch it and they're talking about it so it's almost like extra commentator like discussing their views on it so um i don't know it'd be kind of cool i mean we we should watch it to see if it's worthwhile to discuss but you know i mean i i would love to do a mystery science theater so so almost like a level up review but like on like even some of the ones you've talked about like the uh slobby robbie or or the uh the toys that made us right so we could like Partway through, we could discuss like our experiences with those toys. Been on the DL, so no other creators hear this. This is you heard the, it here first. The new PHP. I don't know. I I like that idea. I don't listen in the comments. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. I like that idea. I'm really digging that. Anyways, right. check it out. It's called Amazon Empire: The Rise and Reign of Jeff Bezos. The rise, or Bezos. The rise and reign. Usually, it's the rise and fall. The rise and fall. But this is the rise and rain. Yeah, the fall will come later. So PBS Frontline, check it out. Man, you know, I really, I'm really digging that idea. Okay, we got to think about that <laughs> a little bit more. All right, hey, uh, also, speaking of Amazon, so I really think Amazon shipping is going to change here pretty soon. This is why I'm saying this. So we talked about already how they cut off FedEx. We know that about a few months ago. And then there was this belief that Amazon was figuring out how to do things by using FedEx and then they learned everything they could. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Amazon started, uh, you know, hiring all these people. Remember they, they had these businesses where you can start your own Amazon shipping business. And from this business, you know, it costs $10,000 to start up mm-hmm. and you can make a lot of money and then move on and I'll move on. But you know, let's be pretty productive. And you can make six figures in a year and da da da. So Amazon now they just, they're shutting down some of these companies that they had hired as a third party shipping and they're using their own. Yep. Right? Yeah. That's how those things work. But it's kind of, so I'm wondering. They're like a bridge company. They're, they're hired short term to kind of work out the kinks and until they can get their own running. But it, it is, it's straight up, you know, vertical integration. Like they are buying every, anything that has to do with an Amazon product, like whether it's, you know, being shipped somewhere, being packed somewhere, whatever it is, like they are owning it, which will make it more profi- profitable for them. But if you're doing FBA, my guess is that as they're doing this, shipping costs are going to be even lower. Yeah. They're pretty low already, though. I mean, they could be. Um, 
I mean, I would hope so. I, I, I just picture like just the general of how they're doing this. When I worked at DirecTV, um, we, I worked at a call center. When I first got hired, I wasn't actually working for DirecTV. I worked for another company called Iron or Mountain, Iron Mountain Communications or something like that. And it was a contractor that had technicians. It was a small little office that had like 40 technicians and like 15 dispatchers. And we service like a part of Southern California. And over time, DirecTV like consolidated. First, Iron Mountain did. They consolidated. They bought a bunch of these contracting companies. And then over time, DirecTV actually bought all of these contractors and made them part of DirecTV. So they like allowed these companies to establish. They let the buildings, other companies built the buildings, other companies, they had to follow DirecTV policy on how they did the installations, but they had all the risk of like developing these companies. And then once they got to a certain point and then the, the ones that didn't do well kind of failed and went off to the side and the ones that did do well, they kind of stuck around. Then DirecTV bought those and they became DirecTV. And so it was like they, they acquired them, they acquired all these, these contracting companies and they expanded their, their power and their influence, but they didn't have any of the risk during that, right? Like, uh, so yeah. it, it's kind of, a lot of companies will do things like this. Um, and so I definitely see that's what Amazon has done is they've, they've had these third-party people doing shipments and they're going to probably acquire some of those companies that did really well organizing and that those will just be part of Amazon. Um, we already have Amazon branded vehicles, obviously. Um, and yeah, so I definitely see there being a place where they're going to compete with FedEx. And here's maybe one of the good things with this. It's going to put a lot of pressure on FedEx, UPS, post office, because where they were getting so many of their sales through Amazon, so much of their, their mm -hmm. transport, they're now going to have to find ways to compete. And the only way they're going to do that is by lowering prices and becoming more efficient. And that's a competition that's going to be good for the market. I would hope for us too. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting. So the Washington Post... You know, when they write a news article, it just cracks me up that they have to actually say, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, right? So they they, they the wrote, rise and rain. Well, no, well, <laughs> well, it's funny because they wrote this piece about what was happening. The the headline is company that partnered with Amazon in five states will shutter operations. But you know, they they basically talked about everything we said about, and then they give this disclaimer that yes, we are owned. It says Amazon founder and chief executive Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Just randomly in there, just thought we'd throw it into the story. But, you know, this is what they're saying here. It said, the Bear Down Experience, which is one of the companies that is being shut down, also shows how hard it is to make a go of such businesses. When Amazon courted entrepreneurs, it touted the prospects of earning $300,000, not even just six figures, $300,000 a year with as little as $10,000 upfront costs, significantly less than most franchise businesses that can cost more than $100,000 to launch. Mm. Right? And so... I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I am seeing a lot more Amazon delivery vans than I've ever seen before. Right. I don't know if you've been spotting them, mm -hmm. but I usually just see trucks. Now I see van. I'll see vans like in rural parts. There are rural parts of San Diego, by the way. Just just coasting along. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So yep. stay tuned. Wondering how, where this is gonna go. All right. Yeah. Still no drones though. <laughs> no, no drones yet. That'll be the day. All right. Hey, I wanted to share this real quick. I don't know. It's not bolo, but. You know, we talked about this a few months ago about how basketball cards were like taking off mm. and they are taking off. Kind of like I feel like I'm missing the boat on this. Mm. So recently, and this is why it's making major news, is that there actually was a card that sold. It was a Michael Jordan, LeBron James basketball card. It had like the NBA patch from their jerseys mm -hmm. on the card and it has pictures of them. It sold, it was, it sold for $900,000 in an auction. 
Okay, let, let's give this perspective. So baseball cards have always been known to be the money cards, right? So I'll give you an example. The previous record was $501,000 on a card that was spent on a tops number 25 from 1969, 70 Lou Alcindor. Okay, that was, you know, graded at 10 by the PSA. All right, that is crazy. The other card is a Mickey, uh, Mickey Mantle from 1952. All right, now here's what's happening. I feel completely lost because in the 90s, I collected all kinds of cards. Mm -hmm. But those cards, from what I'm understanding, aren't worth as much. Right. Because they were mass produced. Mm -hmm. So these cards now are purposely being limited. Right. Which is driving up the value even more. So there's another story I came across at a, a shop owner. You know, you know, I haven't been to these stores. Have you been to these stores where they sell just baseball cards and basketball yeah, cards? Yeah, I used to work them? at one. Yeah. So... I miss going to these stores. Like mm -hmm. there's a part of me that wants to get back into this, but it's a lot of speculation. Yeah. Right. I remember back, remember the Beckett's catalog. Do you mm -hmm. remember that? Yep. I remember looking at Price those. Values yeah. And, yeah. Checking how, I mean, even right now I'm like, maybe I want to do this again. Right. I don't know. But there's, so for instance, I remember I was going to buy some Zion Williamson cards. I would say like two, uh, three weeks ago before he played his debut with the Pelicans and I actually was going to buy them. I remember they were selling for like 30 to 40 bucks. And within a few days after his debut, they're going for like 80, 100. So real quick, the value is rising. And then there's these packets of cards. So for instance, I was looking up some of these cards. And those of you that are listening, you're like, Orlando, you are so behind the times. Mm. Like, But there's like Panini Donruss Optic NBA basketball cards. And so the boxes are selling for $400. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge markup, right? The original price, I think it's about 50 bucks, 40, 50 bucks. And if you can find these, the reason they're selling for so much is because if you find one of these cards in there, they're a lot of money. So for instance, this guy found a Zion Williamson signed card. So some of these are signed. There's only 25 of them. This individual who bought it from him found number 13. This is kind of a little bit like the 90s. This kind of stuff kind of happened. And the card is valued at 19 to $20,000. Right. So I think Gary Vee was on the money on this one. He was saying this about a year and a half ago. Uh, he had talked about how all the sneakerheads are now growing up and they have their kids and now they're going back to cards. It's kind of like in the 90s, like sneakers were a big deal. Right. I have I have I bought Allen Iversons. I bought Jordans. I had all these collections of sneakers along with my cards. I think we're just going through that cycle. Yeah. So if there's a ball, if you want to get into this game. I mean, it's not too late. There's still money to be made. I myself, I'm holding off and this yeah. is why. I feel like you have to be really knowledgeable. Yeah. And I feel like it's it's one of those things where there's money to be made for some people. I, I, I look at cards as if you're really, really knowledgeable and you know how to wheel and deal for specific individual cards, you'll probably do okay. Uh, but for the most part, because I, I mean, I play Magic the Gathering and I know it's a little bit different, but they have a similar economic system where... You buy, when a new set comes out, you can buy boxes of boosters. It's like a, a box that has 36 booster packs in it. And that box costs, I don't know, like 120 bucks, something like that. And, you know, there are some cards that can sell for 120 bucks, right? And so people are like, they'll buy these trying to get them and they'll hunt for them. But the reality is when you open up those packs, each pack that you open up that costs about $3 a pack or something like that, $250, you open it up and the actual value of individual cards, if you were to sell them individually, ends up being less than a dollar, right? So the moment you open them, you've actually lost mm -hmm. value. And so That's the people point. the people who make the most money <clears throat> are the store owners who are buying hundreds of cases 
and they're buying them at a, a big discount and they're opening all of them. They're, they're picking out the few that are worth some money and then they have an outlet for getting rid of the rest of the cards. They have a way to put together sets, to send out full sets to people, to sell off the commons, to sell off the things that... And so those are the people who do well because they're buying so many of them. But if you're just like, I'm going to buy one box and open it and I'm going to make money, man, it's like, it's rough. And and then again, if you're like, I'm going to buy a single card off of eBay and hope that this goes up in value because this player, something good might happen with them. It's so much speculation, right? Like, whereas when you walk into a thrift store and you're buying an item or you go into a, a Target and you're seeing what it sells for on Amazon, there's some speculation there, but you're not like betting that this person is going to have a good season or this player is going to do well or this... There's a lot of speculation that is involved in that. I want to stay as far away from from sports cards as I can, just because I know that it would probably take me years of research to like really understand what's valuable, what's not valuable. Well, the difference now is now it sounds like a lot of fun, by the way. Does it? it to me, it does. But it's different now, I think, in a little bit because there are like these bolo groups. Mm. Right. So back then. You know, you had like the Beckett sports, you had the sports card catalog or you had other dealers that you knew and so on. But now like you can get into groups and everybody's doing the research and then you pay, you know, whatever, 25 bucks to get into a group or 50 or 100. And then they're sharing that knowledge and they're out looking for those cards. So it's a little different, but I totally see your point. Like it's there is a lot of speculation. Right. There's a lot of speculation, but you know, if you got it, I mean, there's people making over hundred K on cards right now. Mm. Right. Easy money for them. But are those the, are those the exception to the rule? I don't know. I don't know. I, I throw this, this is why I'm, why we're having a discussion because I go back and forth because right now, I mean, it's hot on Instagram. You'll see people talking about Instagram. You'll see people talking about it on Facebook. There, It's on the news. It's on YouTube. I will say it's it's in the last two months, it's caught way more popularity than it did when we talked about it, I think like six months ago, way more popularity. Now, here's the other thing I've been pondering. So our economy has been doing really well for a long time. And again, I'm hearing things like things are slowing down. Things are going to, you know, <laughs> be really bad soon. And you, but I feel like everybody's feeling that because it's been good for so long like the lo- the longer things are well, the bigger the fall is going to be. Maybe. Right? I, I'm not saying that's the case, but I think some people feel like feel that. that yeah. So I'm, to me, I'm more of, I'm sourcing for the long game mm. in the sense, because I remember with, with the sports cards, now it's different because those were more mass produced. These aren't as mass produced. But I remember when, economic hard times hit like a lot of cards like instantly lost value right because people didn't have that s- spare money to buy on on items like that now maybe this is going to be a different time i'm not a believer even though as a historian i'm not a believer that history repeats itself i don't believe that i i think every <laughs> this is a whole philosophical discussion but i think every situation is unique and different there might be similarities but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen exactly the same so with that being said, I'm going to continue sourcing what I know sells well. I'm going to continue sourcing, uh, expecting that, hey, people will always need shoes. People will always need tools. People will always need da 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 All the luxury stuff, if you can ride that train right now, whether it's you know those sneakers that you can get on a drop for 150 and flip for 1000 a day, do it. If you're able to get those, do it. It's good money right now. 
but also develop those skills for those items that you can source that are going to be staple items that you're going to be, be able to make a killing on when the economy drops and people are looking for non-retail places to buy stuff. That's good. So that's my, uh, my, my soapbox. I like it. All right. And, uh, okay. The last thing I wanted to talk about, super important. We leave the, save the best for last. We have our meetup March 21st. What, what, what? So pumped about that. So SoCal meetup. Wait a minute. This is this is like breaking news. We've got a meetup coming up. SoCal meetup. Okay. Second annual. <laughs> the biggest, the best meetup put on by Pure Hustle Podcast. Well, it's so funny because a lot of people have meetups all the time. But for us, it's a big deal because we're so busy. And, you know, we make our money from reselling. Like, we don't have a lot of YouTube revenue or podcast revenue. So, you know, and we have kids, which to me is the biggest obstacle yep. to doing a meetup because you got to find childcare and it's several hours. And our meetup, we always want to make it a location where San Diego and Los Angeles people. And we get people all the way from Sacramento. Mm -hmm. We get people from Portland. We get people from Washington. I mean, we get people from across the country. I like saying that it's not really across the country. It's more like the whole West coast. But if you want to come over from the East coast, that'd be awesome. That come to our meetup. That's why we hold it once a month. Not once a month, once a year, maybe in time we'll be able to do it once a month. Jeez. Oh, I know. You're but crazy. You never know. You never know. And so we're excited to announce it. It's going to be from four to 7 PM, probably same location, the red Robin over in orange County. We'll have details uh, in the link below. And we'll also another link. We have several links on this podcast and links. You also, better make sure to send those to me. No, I know. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And also it'll be on our Instagram and our link tree. So I, we just want you to RSVP because if we get more than we anticipate, maybe we'll have to change venues. Yep. So, you know, we'll see how it goes, but we're really excited to meet you guys. Hopefully you can make it whether you're from SoCal, NorCal, Washington, Oregon, New York, Puerto Rico, wherever you're from, we'd love to meet you there. So March 21st, Red Robin, Orange County. We'll have all the details in a link. Yep. Hope to see you there. Yeah. And that, so that is the, our for sure thing that we're going to be doing. Um, I have an idea for like a more local cause, cause it's great to be able to move so more people can go, but I've never been to one yet, but in San Diego, they have these cool things now. These, they're like special bars that have, um, hatchet throwing oh yeah yeah that would be awesome how cool would that i don't know that if there's be. anything like that in la but there like is, maybe there is. is there so like maybe we do like an after party we go throw some hatchets or something so anyways we're up for fun if you guys want to go sourcing i think last time some people went and hit up some rosses who knows we'll have a good time it'll be a ton of fun you guys are awesome it'll be great to see you there yeah all right are you, are you doing the sound effect? Oh, okay. Before you do the sound effect, if you're not following us on social media, make sure to check us out. We are Pierce Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pierce Cast on Twitter. If you ever want to give us a call, you can give us a call at 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or you can shoot us an, an email at PierceOPodcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't caught us on video, maybe when we do these new videos that we're anticipating maybe to do sometime in the future... <laughs> That could be an indefinite future, but you know, who knows? It'd be awesome to do. You can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. It'd be awesome to hit that bell notification so you're notified. And also, hey, we have shirts in stock. Yeah. So there's a limited number. We have 80 shirts available. Yeah. So just throwing it out and there. Who knows if there'll ever be more. So if you're like, if there's like a little bit of you that's like, I want a Pure Hustle podcast shirt, you know, right now we have them in your size. Will we have them in your size a week from now? I don't know. Yeah, and each size is only a certain number yeah. available. So 
another link to add below. So hopefully we get all these links up. Take the PRSL podcast shirt challenge. Um, get the shirt, wear it, and tell me it's not the the like the nicest, most comfortable shirt. It is true. It, it is, is true. a very comfortable shirt. And if you don't feel like it's the most comfortable shirt, um, then uh, we will apologize to you via a message. Um, that's the extent of the challenge. Uh, but I think you will say, <laughs> I think you will say that it is great and you love it and you're going to wear it all the time. Cause it's, 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 nice. I wear it all the time. The only bummer with wearing it is, is people will say like, personal podcast, what's that? And then it's like, it's reselling. And so people will know you're a reseller. Uh, but you know, honestly, People are interested in that. People like to know. I won't. I won't wear it when I go sourcing. It's though. true, especially garage sales, because if they know it and then they catch my Instagram story, you know, I'm done. I'll never be able to go to the house again. You sold this for what? I know. I know. Yeah. It's just not a good scenario. Yeah. All right. Also, hey, there's a link down down there for donations. Appreciate all of you that continually donate, help make things happen on Pierce Podcast, and thank you for all the iTunes reviews. It's just been incredible. I mean, all the way from, hey, we're an awesome team to they love the level up reviews to just good. And, and it, they're detailed. So yeah. really appreciate those of you who have taken the time to write those. And uh, we'll read some more on a, on a future update episode. And, and again, we're still trying to figure out how to tie it into something. So Yeah. Yeah. So we want to we want to read them. And then, yeah, we want to we want to find a way to like say thank you. Um, we didn't, we're, you guys know us. We're not the people who are like trying to buy anything from you guys or sell something like buy our course or, you know, um, so we don't want to buy your reviews, but we do want to like say, find a way to say thank you because so many of you guys leave such detailed, great reviews that it, it makes what we're doing worth it. Uh, and so just saying thank you doesn't always feel enough, but you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Yeah. Really, really appreciate it. All right. Now it's time for. That was, that was a pretty sad dance I just did, but yeah, mine was mine was worse. Mine was like, like you know how like truck drivers like <laughs> uh-uh. you pull the thing, huh, huh? Yeah, that's kind of what I did. I don't know why, but I did that. All right. So, what is your bolo? All right. So, um, my bolo is specific. If you're willing to buy and sell local, if you're not going to buy and sell local on this item, don't do it at all. Um, but this this could have even been like a hustle of the week maybe for me. Um, the reason this is a bolo, um, and it's Olympic weights, free weights. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, weights are great. And I, I've occasionally see them at garage sales and, um, sometimes it's like, ah, you know, I, I don't want to deal with the local thing. Um, or other people are picking them up, but weights have this really neat aspect to them in that they hold their value because weight is weight, right? Like when you're talking about like a, a 45 pound plate that you put on a bar, a 45 pound plate is a 45 <clears throat> pound plate. And of course there's some that are nicer looking than others and, and people might care. But a lot of people, especially if they've got like a garage gym, if they want more weight or if they're just thinking about starting, they don't really care about it being like looking a certain way or even if everything matches, you'd be surprised how many people just, I need another 45 pound plate on each side and they're going to buy it used. The cool thing about weight though, is it holds its value really well. So the price you buy it new at a store and the price you get it used on Craigslist is actually pretty close. And the rule of thumb is weight, Olympic size weights tend to sell for about a dollar a pound. So new, they go for sometimes a little more than a dollar a pound, depending on what type of plate it is uh, to maybe a little bit less and then used if you're getting plates at like 80 cents a pound to like 90 cents a pound, you're getting a really good deal mm. on the weights used. Like if you're buying it for yourself. So keeping that in mind, that gives you a really good, cause it's one of those things like some bolos, it's like, is this worth it? Is it not? But that's like a great rule of thumb. So if you go and there's a hundred pounds of weights 
and you can get it for 40 bucks, you're going to be able to make money because you're probably going to be able to sell it for like $80, $90, right? Because it's about a dollar a pound um, on the used market. I was able to get the other day and I'm, I think I'm going to mm. keep it all for myself. I may sell, sell off some of it, but I was at a, a garage sale. It's kind of a cool story. I'm at a garage sale and I'm looking around and I see an Olympic weight set and I could tell this person is like moving because they have one of those pods in front of their house. Okay, okay, right. Okay. And so that tells me black swan, right? Like I've got some in Intel now going back to our, uh, our level. You have review. no idea what we're talking about. You have to check out our yeah. latest level up review. So I've got some Intel. I'm like, they're probably getting rid of a lot of stuff. So they got a lot of stuff out in their, in their yard. And I could see this weights like in the back of their garage. And so I asked the guys, I'm like walking by like, Hey, are those weights for sale? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, all right, how much? And it's an Olympic weight, like squat rack. And I could tell several weight trees with weights on them, the bar, lots of stuff, all, all for these, this weight set. It's a pretty complete set. And he goes, well, um, you know, I was asking 300 for it, but you know, I haven't had a lot of people like interested. And I'm like, 300 is a great deal. I'm trying to add up the amount of plates that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's a lot of weight here. Right. And so I'm like, and so I did the, all right, let me think. And I, I said, could you do, because he, again, another black swan. I haven't had a lot of interest on him, mm. right? So he told me right off the bat, like, you know, this is what I'm asking, but I haven't had a lot of, like, you know, I was like, what would you give me? And so I, I went to a low number. I'm thinking if I can get these weights for $300, it's a steal. Like I'm getting a good deal, especially because I was kind of thinking of them for myself. I'm like, you know what? How about 150 instantly he takes it right like that was nice. my low anchor almost makes me think could i have gone lower but honestly i could tell he was even with 150 he's like oh all right he like, probably would have taken 100 i don't think he would have no. um I, and the reason i don't think he would have and and i was even contemplating <laughs> like i didn't have a truck there's no way i'm moving this stuff without a truck right and i'm like okay do i buy this i have to i should talk to my wife because this is like a personal purchase <laughs> and i'm like looking at other stuff like while i'm thinking about this he walks into the house and I could tell another reseller walks up, oh. right? And another reseller starts looking at stuff and he asks the lady, sees the weights and um, he goes, are those weights for sale? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, how much? And he, the lady goes, my husband's asking 300. And I'm like, and I could see his eyes like get big and he's like thinking, okay, this is a good deal, right? And so as soon as the guy walks out of the door, I'm like, I'll take him. And so I paid him 150. Nice. That, the other reseller probably would have paid the 300. I had to do on the spot. So like I had to call my wife and like, um... So I bought a bunch of weights, right? Like, um, and I was like, but your brother has a truck. Like I could borrow his truck. So I call up her brother and he's like, yeah, I'm out of town today. So oh. I had to work out a deal to come pick him up. But anyways, the total number of weights that I got, I, I added it all up, not including the squat rack and the the bench, right? Which you have to pay for those two. Um, not including that or all the accessories that he had, like weight trees and two different bars. Um, just the weight plates was like 600 pounds of weights. Okay. Right. So if I were to just sell those, I'd probably be able to sell it for a little over 500 for just the weights and the bars with the weights and the bars. We're probably talking at like at least 600 bucks because the bars sell for quite a bit. Yeah. used to um, squat rack bench, probably talking like another 150 bucks right there used. So like I paid $150 for if I were to lot it all together and sell it used, I could probably net like close to a thousand anywhere from like 800 to a thousand dollars on this. Okay. And I paid 150 I think I'm going to keep it for myself just because I've been wanting to set up a, a, a nice outdoor gym. Uh, but just that's something to think about. Like now you have like a, a the reason it's a bolo is because sometimes you find people who want to get rid of it. If you're willing to move the weight because you got to move it, put it in a vehicle. Uh, but dollar a pound is about what they sell for on the used market. And if you can get it for less than that, I did the math and I got mine for like 
six cents a pound or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a bolo. So be willing, no, have that number in mind, dollar a pound, and use that as your your starting point to go way under. No, I agree. I mean, weights, I, the other day, I was, the store should not be named and I was going to buy. There's those weights where it's like one weight, but there's different weights that you attach uh, to Oh, an it. adjustable. Yeah, one of those. And those sell well too. Mm. So yeah, I, that's good bolo. Right? Because especially in the local game, because, you know, it, it's a lot, it actually, actually, it sells a lot faster. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, depending, especially in San Diego, or if you're like on the West Coast or an area that has nice weather all the time, those things sell fast. Mm-hmm. So, all right, good bolo. Thank you. Okay, so mine is guitar pedals. Mm. And the reason is guitar pedals is there's two reasons. One, I find that they're always overlooked because they're not like they don't stand off. Uh, they, like I mean, they don't stand off. They don't. <laughs> they're it, there's something about them unless they're like bright or colorful. Colorful, like you kind of look at them and you don't really know what they are unless you know what they are, right? And so I always sell whenever I pick up guitar seller uh, guitar pedals. They don't last more than two weeks for me, right? And so I recently on a haul, I picked up five guitar pedals. I listed them one sold within twelve hours, and it sold for good money. Now the vintage ones are the ones that you're really looking for. And what I find the other reason is that whenever I buy guitar pedals, they're usually from somebody. This is gonna sound stupid, who was a musician, <laughs> but usually they take care of their equipment. So if they put it out there, they're not trying to sell you junk. It's something that they take care of. Now, that's been my experience. I could be wrong, but pretty much I would say 100% of the time. No, I will say 100% of the time, I've never had an issue with the guitar pedal that I bought because they're pretty sturdy, right? They're made to stomp on sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So they're, they're, they don't break very easily. And, you know, the the only thing that you should really check is, you know, see if it's uh, th- there's battery acid or anything. That's pretty easy. You just open the ba- battery compartment and you just take a look and it should be good. Now you'll need a screwdriver sometimes to open those up, but guitar pedals, they're really easy to take pictures of, right? You just put in a light box or the phone boards, whatever you do. And then the ship super easy, right? You, I usually do the padded flat rate. I'll put it in some bubble wrap and I'll put it in the padded and it's good to go. And I've never had a problem with it. So that's just a thing and keep it an eye out for. Now, obviously, you have to do the research and you have to kind of be able to you know, understand that certain guitar pedals are worth more. But I don't think I've run into very many that aren't worth anything at a garage sale. Usually, they're just trying to offload it and people don't know what it is. And so it gets looked over a lot. So keep an eye, do some research, you know, go on eBay sold, put in guitar pedals, see what they look like, see what brands are good. And you should be good for the next time you go sourcing. Yeah. Okay, that's our bolos. Bolo. All right, so what are you looking forward to here? Um, so mine is actually not, it's resale related, but it's not. So it's it's a weird one because I'm next weekend going to be gone. I'm going to be out of town. Um, and so I'm not planning on sourcing next weekend. And the weird thing is I'm actually kind of excited about that. Like I'm excited that I'm at a place where I have enough inventory, got enough stuff listing nice. that I can take a week off of sourcing and not feel bad about it that I'm not worried like, oh my gosh, if I don't get out there and, and source. And I think it's nice to be at a place. Now, of course, if I was, if I'm trying to scale and I'm constantly trying to make more and more and I'm saying like, I want to make millions of dollars and be able to retire off of reselling, I probably couldn't do things like that. But I think just that constant being grateful going back to like, you know, the episode we had right before Thanksgiving, you know, being grateful as a reseller, reselling allows you to have opportunities like that where you can actually take time away and still be making money. That's one of my favorite things is when 
you know, you're on a vacation, you're on a little weekend trip and you're still getting the chichings and it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reaping the, the fruits of my labor and I don't even have to be laboring at the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice. And so I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, and then I think I'll be able to come back kind of refreshed to sourcing and listing and all of that again. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Well, I just wanted to comment. That's, that's one of the things that we push for on the podcast mm-hmm. here, right? That it's not only about scaling or making millions, it's the time freedom. Like that to me is far more valuable. I mean, I'm trying to plan a trip for me and my boys in, in a couple months and I don't have to ask anybody like for time off. I don't have to stress about sales. I have enough inventory and all the pieces are in place for me to travel and it's not a big deal. So, just something to think about, you know, you don't have, we always say this, you don't have to be that multimillionaire reseller. You could still make six figures or a little less than six figures reselling or even half less than six figures and still enjoy your lifestyle that can show up because you do resell. Mm. All right. So what I'm looking forward to getting to 2000 listings. I think I'm in a place that, that it will happen. Like I, I have no question. That's I mean, happen. if you, if you're listing 25 items a day, even with sales, They'll be there in two weeks. Yeah. Next time we do an oh, update. 100%. For sure. And on top of that, I already have 300 plus items that I need to list anyways. Nice. So, you know, I have plenty of inventory and then I'm going to begin cross posting. Nice. So I'm going to, you know, take a look at Vendu and list perfectly and see which one, you know, works better for me or maybe they both do. And I want to cross post because I will tell you, it got kind of sketchy on the slow eBay and Amazon days. Right, because Amazon eventually will slow down for me because mm-hmm. there will be barely any inventory. Right, right now there's still plenty of inventory that I'm still making a decent amount and I'm okay with it. But the time will come, probably in a few, couple of weeks, where I'm not gonna have that much inventory and I can't just rely on eBay. Yeah. The one thing I've noticed in this is if I just go on eBay on those dead days, like I'm stuck. Right, mm-hmm. and so luckily I do have savings, and luckily I do have Amazon, and you know. I can now cross post and we'll see how that goes. And so the other part is I'm, <laughs> I talked about this like three months ago, I think maybe a month ago, I have so much merchandise in my place, like in my literal living space, Pendleton, Pendleton blanket over the fireplace. I have, it's kind of uh, sad. <laughs> I have like random Walkmans on my dinner table. I mean, I have shoes in the corner by my TV. It's just, no one can come over right yeah. now. It's just pretty yeah. bad. So, and part of that has been, I, I took a trip to San Francisco, which backed me up three or four days. And the other one is I've been sourcing a lot because I've been trying to scale my eBay. And so, you know, I'm willing to be in the dirt a little bit to get to the clouds, but you know, I, I'm kind of, kind of done with seeing all my stuff everywhere all the time. I like it. So it's good. It's kind of how it goes. All right. Anything else got going on? That's it, man. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to our update episode and make sure to check the links below. With that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.